Hey Angels, it's Amy from the Freud's Angels podcast. And Vanessa. We're here to bring you a special series about my journey and rewriting my narrative around my body and redefining my relationship with it. And along the way, as Amy is on this journey, we will bring to you gifts that come out of it, ways that you can handle your own body journey, things that you can think about in order to reclaim your own narrative. Now let's get to it. Angels, friends, loved ones. Um, Every time I say like, you know, I want to say friends, Roman countrymen, (laughs) lend me your ears. Like I want to do that whole Julius Caesar. Like we had to memorize that in high school. And so every time I'm like, I I want to just stand and start, but then I'm like, I don't want the Caesar part where they stab me in the back though. So, and as you do that, I can see the Cosby show and (laughs) cockroach and Theo rapping (laughs) about that. (laughs) They, they wrapped that whole speech. Yeah. So that's a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, oh we do God. want them to lend us their ear. So it is also relevant. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And after so they, they hear this episode, they may want, you know, they may feel a little stabby, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, yeah, just as long as you don't know where I live, I don't need to be stabbed. <laughs> no, mentally stabby, I think. Yeah. Is this going to, I mean, it's one. It's one that I think makes you feel that way a little bit. So, you know, last body series episode, we talked about it's not the fucking cake. And I am glad to have been able to upload that because it means I got to a certain place in, in this process. Because, you know, like I said on our live, it's there's a lot there with me experiencing a lot of doing this while we're there's a lot of like oversharing fatigue and like, I feel like I've like, I need to kind of retract a little bit because it's like, Oh my God, I said all these things on a fucking podcast that everybody in the world can hear. And it's like, Oh my, you know, it kind of, it doesn't dawn on me till after I've posted it. And I'm like, Oh, and I listened to it and I'm like, Oh my God, you just said that. (laughs) But in the interest of, of world healing and the interest of my desire, to heal and and to help others do the same. I am here for it. So this leading by example. Yep. You know, and, and, and I, and I hope that in your process, whatever that is, whether you're listening to this, to have understanding of friends who struggle, whether you're listening to this because you have your own inner struggle, you haven't shared with anybody. I'm, I'm, I want you to take what we do in like taking the pause and reacting and understanding how we're feeling and, and dictating ourselves and, and acting upon what we're feeling in the safest manner for us so that we know that we have our own backs. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I, I saw this meme the other day and it, it was a, it was a, it was a bunny and a turtle or it was some animal and a turtle. And, and the, the animal said, I wish I had, a hard shell so that I could hide away from the world. And the turtle jumped on its back and says, it's okay. I've got your back. And it was, and I was like, (laughs) so, so if anything, please have your own back, be your own turtle and, and, and have your own back. And in, in that you'll listen to how you're feeling. Yes. 
So I know I come up with the most ridiculous things ever, but it's those little, no, I love a good visual. I love it. (laughs) It's it's one of those things that kind of like, you know, hits me and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll be my own. I'll take care of me. Uh Uh, But I digress. So today in episode eight of this series, we are going to get a little bit into the psychology of having a chronic illness because those of us who do, which there are vastly many, and especially in the area that I live, because when you can't get into a rheumatologist for an entire year for your first visit, that's an issue. That's a lot of autoimmune issues. Um, But if you have like any type of autoimmune issue, maybe you have a physical disability that, you know, kind of came on, or maybe you were born with it. Um, and I'm not going to say one is worse than the other. Although I have had many people who were born with disabilities say to me, I'm grateful I was born with it because I don't know the difference. My life was created with the idea of my disability in mind. It was never, I had a normal life and then this happened because then you mourn for what was right. And so when I'm talking about some of these autoimmune issues and some of these physical disabilities, I, I I'm talking to that process where you're first realizing that it's something's happening or you're first diagnosed or the trauma happens when we have a chronic illness or some sort of physical chronic disability, there is a process we go through emotionally and mentally in the beginning. When I was first diagnosed with RA, I at first went through the idea, through the process of experiencing what people call an invisible disease, where you don't look like you're not okay, and you don't look like you have chronic pain, and you don't look like you can't walk very well. So what the fuck is your problem? And so, and so like people walking, like I would shuffle because I was in so much pain, people would get pissed. They'd be like, get out of the way or move. And I'm like, I can't move any faster. I'm sorry. So going to the store, going to the grocery store became a very unsafe place for me to exist in the beginning of dealing with this. Um, There was a whole bunch of times where, um, people would, you're crossing the street and most people are impatient anyways, that they have to stop for you because God forbid they take five seconds out of their day and just sit in their car and wait for somebody to cross the street. That's why when people post that stuff on Facebook, I say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm one of those people that can't cross the street at 90 miles an hour because I can't walk that fast. And maybe you should understand that some people are have are dealing with some things that prevent them from running across the street just because you want to be on your way. I you have no idea how many times I've replied for my take on it. The universe obviously thought you needed a little patience break yeah. and you blew it. <laughs> you obviously needed it. Yes. Failed the test. <laughs> so, you had a chance and you blew it anyways. <laughs> so what you know, whatever surrounds your, your chronic illness, you know, whatever, however that came about, like some people, it could be that it's the digestive thing. It's, it's, you have IBS or you have some other digestive 
issue. Mine was, was rheumatoid arthritis. It was a, it was a foundational joint bone issue. Um, you know, and if you want to talk about, and here's something that we were talking about before that, that kind of gave me an aha moment. And because we love a good aha moment, um, autoimmune is when your immune system goes rogue. It overreacts and attacks certain parts of your body, depending on what it is. Rheumatoid arthritis, it goes after your joints and your soft tissue and the cartilage around your joint because it sees it as foreign matter. Well, if you think about it, the emotional reason for rheumatoid arthritis is, is harsh self-criticism. Okay. That's how you can emotionally exacerbate the symptoms and the disease of rheumatoid arthritis, which I will say RA from now because it's too long to say. And so when I was working at the time when this came on and I was pushing myself, I was highly critical. I just left Canada. I had just left my kids. I felt guilty. I felt a lot of like, I was the worst ever wife, parent, daughter, whatever. I came home to not comfort and caring for my dad, but a house full of people I didn't even know. And that he, you know, it was just, I was so, and then he was on that kick of, you know, you need to work harder. You need to work more than one job. You're being lazy. If you don't have to like he, so that, 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 that train just kept going around in my head and I'd get angry at my body because a, as he said, I was fat again, I was overweight and B, it wasn't working fast enough. Like I couldn't do all the things that I needed to do. And at the time I was working, I was a manager in a retail store and I would get up 7 a.m. to get into the store by eight to open it up. And I would not leave until closing, which was 10 or 11, depending on the day. And I went home, I slept for four hours and I did that every single day of the week. Like, I was so overworked and so not taking care of my body. I eating like not very good things. I was just like, and all of a sudden it was like, I get hit with this disease. So I was pissed at my body because it was tired. It was exhausted. And so it's like my immune system was listening to the judgments I had about my physical being. And so all of a sudden it was like, yeah, fuck you too. I I'm on board with this. And so all of a sudden my immune system took on the energy I was bringing in towards myself and, and just went with it and yeah. just decided that, Oh, okay. We're going to hate ourselves. We're hating the body. We don't like the body. Let's get rid of it. Let's attack it. <laughs> it's a boring, yeah. It doesn't work because if you're mad at it, afraid of it, scared of it, whatever, or pissed about it not working properly. Okay. So we, it's foreign matter, right? It's almost like my immune system was listening to the thoughts that were in my head and we're like, well, we're, we're team Amy. So let's just destroy what you hate. Yeah. And that's what it did. And right, so like, you're on the right track body because this body does suck. Like, yeah. Nice. I'll keep going. You know, like, <laughs> cool. I'll amp this up. <laughs> this is what we need to do. We'll turn it up. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I just, and we're laughing, but it feels like that's exactly what happened. It's like yeah. my immune system was listening to my own rejection of my body. Yeah. So then, so then we kind of, I think sometimes when we get the diagnosis, we're like, 
okay, you know, some people have a great fighting spirit and they're like, I'm not letting this let me down. I am just going to fight my way through it. And I applaud you because you have such emotional resilience that I did not have in that moment because I was not team Amy. (laughs) I was very much anti me and I was not okay because my identity was wrapped up in what I could do. Yeah. How hard I could work the things that I could do, fixing cars, building barns, building houses, like working long hours, like those types of physical activities. That's my worth because that's where I felt accepted by my dad. And so when, and so when I was diagnosed, I lost my job because I couldn't work. There's no medical leave in retail. Um, But I, I went home and I laid in bed for eight months and I had no identity. I had no idea who I was. I had nothing to hang my hat on, nothing that made me feel good, no way to punish myself, but I was really pissed at my body. I was pissed at the fact that it betrayed me. It knew my well-being hinged upon how hard I could work. So it betrayed me. And so there's this process, I think, in the beginning for some of us, where when we're figuring out what foods to eat, what identity to have, that we, we just, we don't know what to do with it. And, and, and it's, I feel like you were given information with the diagnosis of what to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like immediately I thought if I like, what are you supposed to do when you give somebody news like that? There should be lots of information that follows. There should be lots of, you know, there just should be lots of information. Well, and the problem with, with, I don't want to say the problem. One of the downfalls to actual scientific medicine is that when you get some of these old school doctors, which is who my first rheumatologist was, he's been in, he was ready to retire. He was in it for 40 plus years. You, they, they get stuck in the routine of what they do with every single patient. There's a lack of understanding that there's new information now that could help your patient manage true. They gave me, oh, ways to, you know, to eat according to your disease. And it was basically a diet plan. And I was Which like- is what nobody wants. Right. <laughs> and- Cause at the time, part of my issue was, is I felt my body was too overweight. So I was trying to lose weight at the same time that I was trying to uh, work myself to death. Um, I, so it was like, okay, here's another layer of double whammy in a sense of no, you now you now, because you you're fat, I'm calling you fat too. And that's the issue, but they come from a sense of it's hereditary. Mine's not hereditary. There's one person in my family, too many generations back that had it, that it does not make it hereditary. It's not. I manifested it. 
Mm-hmm. I brought that shit on to myself. I realize that now. It took me years to get there. So don't be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't ask for this autoimmune issue. Well, it's <laughs> funny because I wrote this down when you were talking. When you said that your body was betraying you, the first thought that I had, and this is from my own personal journey too, but my first thought that I had was who betrayed who? <laughs> because that was the journey like of being like, okay, you did it first. <laughs> like, you know, like you're the one, like I had to think like, I'm the one who beat up on my body and my body's responding to that. Yep. I can't blame my body for what I've done to it. I understand it sucks, but who betrayed who here? <laughs> nope. I feel you. Cause I learned that too. Yeah. I learned that too. When I owned up to me, what did I expect it to do when I did that to it? Really? All in line. Damn it. Right. Like this is the time to be robotic. Just take what I have to give and continue to be healthy. Sure. Without adequate food and rest at the same time. Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, and, and so your process with your own chronic illness is your own and it will always be your own and wherever you are in the spectrum, I encourage you to allow yourself to feel what you feel. Your feelings are not invalid. Even if we manifested it to ourselves, your feelings are not invalid. If you're in the anger stage, okay, be in the anger stage. Mm-hmm. But be introspective enough that you're willing to be out of the anger stage. Because when I first was, I very much feeling sorry for myself. Sorry, my nose itches. And I'm like, I'm going to kiss a fool. Who, who, who's coming to kiss me? Um, it's probably because I got cat hair. Um, but I, I, you know, I was, I felt sorry for myself. I, I was like, I had a big pity party. I just, yeah, there was moments like that. And which is okay. Which is super sad times which is normal because it's a grieving process. It is because mm-hmm. you're grieving what was. However, there is a point in time where we have to kind of make a choice. We can allow our grief. We can allow our sadness. Absolutely. But we also have to have that sense of how, how do we heal this? How do we come out of this? How, what, what do I want to do realistically, according to what my body's able to do? So no, I couldn't be in retail anymore because I couldn't be on my feet. No, I couldn't build houses because I couldn't carry shit because I was fucking like my muscles atrophied immediately. um, And the pain was too great. What can I do? I can sit at a desk. Do I go back to desk work? Okay. Maybe that's what I can do. Um, and so that's how I, that's how I began the process of going about it. And then I had a healing done and an energetic healing, which helped me be pain-free for a period of time, which was fucking amazing to me because I had never not had pain. And that opened me up to realizing there's more to why it happened Like it helped me see where were my emotions at the time that this came on? What was I feeling and thinking? 
you know, what was I doing to my body? What was it reacting to? Because your body is only reactionary. Right. And it has its processes that it's supposed to do. And then it reacts to everything that we do to it. So I was like, okay. So I had to sit with a lot of big truths and a lot of the idea that, you know, okay, I did this to me in a big way. How do I undo it? How do I fix it? How do I change it? And that's, you know, that's when I started doing a lot of the spiritual work. The therapy came later, but it was the spiritual work that led me to understand and understand that, you know, how I manifested it. It allowed me to gently and compassionately own that. But I encourage you, hindsight is twenty twenty. Had I had a therapist at that time, I probably would have healed it faster in a sense, my relationship with the autoimmune issue, because so much of my pain that led up to that I, I probably could have coped with, but at the time my father was a therapist. Well, he wasn't a therapist, but he therapied everybody. He was a psychologist. <laughs> he was a psychologist. He just never finished his master's. And so he therapied everybody and it pissed me off because I never wanted therapy by him because my biggest issue was him. Right. And well, yeah, I mean, credibility psh, shot, <laughs> you know, I, I, I completely was like, hell no. So it prevented me from probably getting good care because I was pissed. Sure. That makes so much sense. So much sense. Like if I'm going to, if somebody's going to go there and do what he does, I don't want to be there. I want to be in that space with somebody else who's going to treat me that way. So, you know, I had, part of me is like, oh, we could have come out of this a little bit quicker, but all things in its divine timing. I never probably would have went down the spiritual path had I had therapy. I never would be who I am today. I never would be able to assist people who I am today. And I never would have put this shit in remission had I not been gone down the spiritual path. Um, because all of it has attributed to me being where I am right now. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm like now working with this body image, this body relationship issue we're re going back and dealing with a lot of how I felt with the chronic illness and what I was processing and the betrayal. So the biggest thing I can say is listen to how you're feeling, that your feelings are not invalid and to allow them to exist and validate them for yourself, but don't stay there. Don't get, you can carry them, but don't get stuck there. The biggest thing, I know this sounds horrible and, and it's, but it's my way of my father's talks and it's the way he talked to me, but it was probably the one thing that got me out. And it was two things actually. One was my stepmother saying, oh, I understand. We'll probably have to take care of you for the rest of your life. Hell no, you're not. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> especially if you're going to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. Hell no, you're not. That was, that was like the catalyst to get me yeah. out of that house. Yeah. Um, and also my dad saying to me, 
this is when I, I was mad at him for saying it to me. I'm like, fuck you. You don't know how I feel. <laughs> but this coming from a person who was an able-bodied person until like his like late twenties, early thirties and got into a motorcycle accident as a paraplegic and couldn't walk anymore. So I probably good, good advice from someone who experienced something similar. <laughs> so I honestly did not make that connection until you just said it. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> So somebody had to reinvent himself. No wonder. Yeah, I was gonna say, no wonder he was so like rah on you because he had so much trouble dealing with that and didn't deal with it properly. Yes. Anywho. So yeah, there's a whole nother facet to that. Yeah. <laughs> another rabbit hole. Good God. But he said to me, I was because I would come in and watch a show, uh, lay in his bed while he was playing solitaire. We kind of hang out, whatever. And it, I enjoyed it, but he always used to complain. Um, but he said to me, you're either going to be the victor or the victim of this situation. And you have a choice of which one you're going to be. It doesn't mean that, you know, and, and, and he, that's all he said to me. And then I got pissed and walked away. Fine. And I shuffled my way out of the room because I was like, like little babies to like, I'm like trying to shuffle with attitude, but I don't, I couldn't do it. It was just like, it was just like, you know, think of an old oh, lady God, angry, trying to walk out of a room. Like with yeah. her babies, that's me. That's me. How frustrating. Yes. Like, <laughs> not my feet. It hurt. I am very angry. You can't tell, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> so but in the end, what I realized he meant was you can feel everything you're feeling. You can have rejection of the illness. You can have grief over what you've lost. You can have anger towards your body because you feel at this moment, like it's betraying you. You can feel anything that you're feeling right now and it's okay. And you can feel those things, but it's what you do with those things that matter. Right. If you use them as a reason to stay where you're at in this moment and stay here, frozen in this moment forever, you can do that. It's up to you. Or you can be angry, be upset, but look to the future as how can I make this situation better? How can I heal me? How can I heal the situation? Even if I can't get rid of the autoimmune issue, how can I live a good life, a life of my choosing, despite, you know, how can I live with this versus it living me? Yes. And you have that option. That is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sometimes it takes, you know, getting better care, choosing better doctors. Maybe it comes from just, there was so many times friends that I would make myself do something regardless of how bad it hurt because I needed to continue to be able to do it. Driving, holy fuck. I didn't drive for over six months. Driving is my way of escaping. It is my, if I can't drive or if I can't leave, I'm like a caged animal. Like I, I am like freaking out inside because I'm like, I can't leave. What do you mean? I used to make myself drive down our street and back so that I could still drive my car. Yeah. Despite how I felt, because I was damned if I'm ever going to be stuck 
where I am, because that to me was just so important in that moment. Mm-hmm. Driving was my thing. It's, it's just, just to go out for a drive is like everything to me. Sure. And so in that moment, I kind of chose, okay, I'm going to be the victor. I'm still pissed, but I'm going to be the victor. You know, I, I realized what he meant. And then when my stepmother said that about taking care of me for the rest of your life, I think I moved out that next week. <laughs> I got a job. I was commuting a half an hour, 45 minutes one way. And I decided that, nope, I'm going to live closer to my job. Yeah. And I did. And I, and I moved out and I found my perfect apartment. I love that apartment so much. And I thrived. I ended up needing joint replacements, but I got care. I, I, I was able to live my life despite what I was experiencing. I was still mad. I was still upset, but I wanted better for me. I wasn't ready to give up. I wasn't ready to just say, well, okay, this is how it is now. I, I, I wasn't ready. I had life to live and all the things that happened, you know, having that healing that I never had before, you know, experiencing that experiencing, you know, the process of understanding emotions and how they exacerbate our our illnesses and how they can come become a part of how we manifest illness, all of it, all of it had to happen. Um, but you know, when we have this, it brings its own set of challenges. So when you're a person who has a challenge with your relationship with your physical being, and then you add an illness on top of it, it's extra hard. It's extra hard. So and if you don't get the right, I think, you know, a lot of people don't, um, don't know what the right help is also. Um, or don't know that there is more help than the medical help, you know, of, of whatever illness it is, you know, I mean, I think that this, that, I mean, this goes across the board, no matter what, what illness you come up against, that there's, there's the focus on physical, of course, because we're trying to do something about that, but the emotional and mental parts of that are very, very important to take care of because of it's your mental and emotional state effect on your health right? That it is all together. All of these things bounce off of each other. And when we're not getting the dopamine and serotonin, because we're not allowing ourselves to, we're making choices that, that don't allow, you know, those kind of things to enter into our lives because we're so angry or because we're, you know, beating up on ourselves and deciding that we don't deserve joy because of what we've done or how, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you know, it, it exacerbates your illness you know, in addition to making your life shittier than it needs to be in those moments, you know, depriving yourself of joy. And so, you know, like, I think, I think the biggest part of acceptance that people don't know is how to get there. You know, like a lot of people will know that that's what they're, that they need to do. That's where they need to go. Like, I need to learn how to accept this and move on. I need to, I need to be the victor. I want to be the victor how do I get to a place where I feel empowered to do that? How do I get into a space, a mental space where that is, feels possible, where hope exists, where the idea that I could possibly live like this and be happy exists, right? 
like when we, th- when we think about what you just said about your dad and I actually felt it maybe for the first time, it's not the first time that I heard about your dad's story. I know his story, but I guess maybe at this age, hearing it then and being like, you have a choice. You get in a motorcycle accident, you get in a sports accident and you lose all of the things that you used to have. You, you can decide that the rest of your life is going to be pain. Or you can decide to say, what does my body still do? How can I still exist in this world in a way that is good and helpful or whatever, you know, whatever goes on inside your body, your brain, because you can, anybody can choose to live well. And within that wellness is total wellness, which we know. So, you know, in, in, in that, my whole spiel being, how do we get through that anger? How do you get past that anger into movement in some sort of positive direction? You know, I think that's where people get stuck because when you wake up in the morning and you're in super pain, how do you, how do you spin that? (laughs) Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, awesome. This is great. No, it's not. I I cannot be in denial in this moment. What the fuck? Like (laughs) these people, what are they talking about? I can't feel that way. This is unfair, you know, yada, yada, yada going through, you know, I think that the highlight of highlighting really what you did, really those steps of like, how did acceptance become and when did it arrive? right? Because it wasn't that choice just on that daily acceptance. You just accepted a challenge on that day. (laughs) And then the real, yeah, exactly. You were just like, I accept that I am now in a contest of some sort, right? But it's still, you know, that longevity of a chronic illness that could possibly be in your life forever, like getting to the point of accepting its existence and still being upset about it but also feeling inspired enough to continue to fight it. I think that's the space that people are, that that's, that's like the things, the the gold nuggets that people are like really needing to know, like exactly what, (laughs) exactly what should I start looking for? (laughs) I will tell you right now, I still have temper tantrums. I still get angry when I can't button a shirt or I can't work a zipper because my fingers don't work or like I'm, I have pain and I can't go with my friends because they're going on a two hour hike instead of a one hour hike, like getting in my car, getting out of my car, just, I get angry still, but I think it's not so self-directed. Um, The thing of it is, is that when you get up every morning and you're in pain and you're like, oh my God, and and it takes you a minute. I think after that healing that I had, that's when things started to change because I shifted my mindset and I was able to breathe for a minute and I was able to say, okay, to be honest, the acceptance began when I started, when I went back to work. Some people aren't going to be able to do that. And I get that. Um, But for me, I needed to feel like I was functioning. That I could still be a human. I could still do my work. I could still go to work. I could still have a job. 
that because I had already applied for social security disability and they already rejected me. So it wasn't like I was had any other choice. I, I didn't have the money to fight with a lawyer either. So I wasn't going to do that because to me, to me, now, if that's your path, understand this, that's your path. And if you feel that's your path, you do that. Don't, this is not a criticism. This is not anything that's telling you you're wrong. It's just my experience for me going on SSDI would have been the end of me. I would have felt like the victim. And I needed to work. I am a workaholic. I have always been a workaholic. Identity, yeah. It's it was my freedom of not having to live with my parents. That was my ticket out was to work and to work hard enough to be able to afford living by myself in my own apartment away from my parents. Because it was easier to digest them in that way. Yeah. And so when I couldn't do that. It was petrifying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a lot of mm-hmm. there was a lot of factors that stepped into my acceptance of it. Okay. So but me, I like the idea of finding functioning, and that's what I wrote down, yeah. like as kind of bullet pointing of like what how do you still function? How yeah. do you how do you push that? Because it doesn't make sense to push what's not possible. It makes sense to push what's possible. And understand this, and this is something, this is more of a logical thing that I want to share. Know that every employer in the world has to follow FMLA. It's Family Medical Leave Act. If you have a chronic illness and you sometimes can't go to work in the morning or you're going to be late because you're having a hard time, your body needs extra time to deal with the pain, deal with, I know for me, my ankles like I'd have to stepping on them hurt so bad because I was pushing out all the liquid, the fluid inflammation. And so it would take me a little bit to get, get moving. And you, there may be a limit, like you have to be there for a year or something, but if you have a chronic illness that makes you late or sometimes will need time off, get that, go seek FMLA with your company because it's your fail safe. It was there. And the American, Dis- with the ADA, the American Disability Act, those are your key, key points. And working with an, with especially a fresh, fresh autoimmune issue or a fresh disability, whether it's food oriented, whether it's physical, whatever it is, go seek FMLA because it'll save you your job. And until you figure yourself out. I didn't know that when I first, that's why I quit my job. Yeah. Well, cause they don't offer that information. And so when I went and started working again, my friend had got it for her son because he was, he has ADHD and he's, you know, he had a, a lot of issues. So she'd have to go get it from school a lot. So because somebody in her immediate family, she filed for FMLA. I filed for it when I realized I had to have surgery. And then I kept it. I kept refreshing it every time it expired because if I needed to go to the doctors or I was taking extra time off because I needed physical therapy or it saved me my job. So if you're worried about work 
and you know you're going to continue to work, FMLA is the way to go. Just a tip because I didn't have this when I was first starting out. Absolutely. And more in the more information again, like I wrote, I wrote down, put in fail safes and protections. And I think of it as protections, because if this is something that affects work, you, we always want to leave a paper trail, right? Because we don't ever want to be fired and not have evidence that you tried to advocate for yourself in a medical way. It's not, you can't be fired for being sick. You can after the appropriate period of time in which they hold your job for you, they are allowed to let you go, but they have to give you all of this time. They have to, you know, work with you. They, they have to, if they don't, if they're not willing to, and you're able to function in your job, I I forget, there's like a percentage. A lawyer was telling me there's some sort of percentage that they throw out there. Um, Then you can sue them. (laughs) You can absolutely sue them. Even if you are in a, one of those states where they can fire you for no reason. This is federal. This is not state by state. Important for everybody to know that. Leave that paper trail. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to your HR department. Hey, because they're, they have to keep everything confidential. This is my medical issue right now. It's going to mean possibly, I don't know if it's going to mean doctor's appointments or whatever, but this is, this is what I'm working with. And I, it's my duty to let you know, as my employer, start the paper trail. Yep, absolutely. So, I wish I had known that. I probably still would have left my job because my percentage of being able to work was zero because, yeah. you know, it was so severe. But in other instances, I wish I would have known that. But, and I think the next phase of my acceptance, I, and to be honest, I felt functional. So I kind of went a little bit rogue and I started to, allow and this is why I say please check yourself with when you're in the anger and grief stage because I began to punish my body again for Mm -hmm. it not being able to do the things I wanted it to do I entered another layer of that grief Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I started regularly going for healings and I learned how to do the healing so I could do it to myself and started really working emotionally on a lot of that stuff that I, I, I was able to see what I was doing. Um, because when you're faced with an autoimmune issue, a young single adult, what is their next fear in some cases? Nobody's going to want to date you. You're a cripple. Yeah. That was my net. That was the next thing out of my head out of my fear box. That's what, that was the next thing my brain threw at me. <laughs> You're going to be alone for the rest of your life. The next Jack in the box to pop yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And on top of it, you're going to be alone. <laughs> Damn. So that was my boring. process. It may not be yours. It may not be a fear for you. And, and that's, that's like I said, it's all individual, but that was really? the next phase of my fear-based thinking that came on because I was like, you can't walk. I was thinking, you know, you, you have a hard time like having sex because of your, your joints and your, you can't do all the things you used to do when you used to date and, you know, and all the things that the men liked and whatever you're very vanilla because you have so much limited ability to do those things you used to do. 
So that was the next. I think that goes with every relationship, right? Like, and I think that that, that works in, in any, any, for anybody, the idea of being a burden, the idea of not being able to to be a caretaker, if that's what your job is to be in in the home, if you're a parent, it's, it's relational, right? Like how, how is this going to affect everybody in my life or possibly people being in my life? So that's a good, that's a good, but that's good. Like, I think, again, like the reason why I asked that question is because I was like, people are going to miss those things about the process they, because it's, it's very easy to, and if, and if you can do this now, <laughs> if you can go diagnosis, fail safes, find functioning, check myself versus in where I believe my faulty beliefs are about this in relationship to other people, what this does to everyone and kind of dissipate that, (laughs) you know, cut that dragon's head off before it starts breathing fire. That would be great. (laughs) Because I lost, I think in that moment, in those moments where that fear took root and I reacted in that fear, Sure, it it took a lot of time. It, It set me back quite a bit. Um, and, but then I realized how toxic it was and how I was not doing myself any favors. <laughs> like I was making it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this just seems a little opposite of help. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and, you know, and to be honest, it was, there was victory and finding the little things that I still could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was like, for the example, I just, I don't know. I lived on the second floor of a house and I, you know, everybody was like, oh, get first floor. Those stairs meant I could climb stairs. Yeah. Even if I did them one at a time, I could still climb stairs. Yeah. No one helped me bring my groceries upstairs. I had to bring all my groceries, including cat litter up the stairs myself. Now, sometimes it wasn't okay. Yeah. Sometimes it wasn't hard. Yeah. So there was process, but, but I challenged myself to do the things that, and find different ways of doing them. Well, and the mindset, right. The mindset of challenge versus punishment that could easily be punishment. Yeah. Right. Like you will walk up these stairs because, you know, I can have that be a real negative experience, but having it be a positive experience of we're going to keep doing as many things as we can possibly do. Let's, let's slay this. Let's keep this in our lives versus the, you did this to yourself. You must do it, which I think is easy to fall into. Right. Absolutely. So I just want to, sorry, just wanted to pause there because I thought in my head, I can totally hear somebody punishing themselves that way. And it's like, that's not the mindset of it at all. It's keeping that functioning. I can still do this. I am not doing more harm to myself. So I will continue to do it. If at any time I fall down the stairs, I'm going to stop doing this, you know, like, or if, you know, something terrible happens or if I'm damaging my joints even more, then I will consider doing something that is less harmful. But if I can still do it and this is, this is good for me. Absolutely. One thing that I think is the first step that I didn't consider that I've realized because I was thinking about the idea of the steps 
find someone close to you that has had this experience. Find community. Find somebody who has had the experience of dealing with this illness and how they work through it. And to be your support system, to call and cry when you can't fucking deal with it anymore. When you're upset and you need someone who knows and understands every bit of what you're experiencing, that they will say, I know, honey, and I'm sorry. It sucks ass. And you know, they know it sucks ass. And for me, that was my great aunt. My great aunt was the only one that ever had RA in my whole family. And she, I called her when I got it. And I was like, she was the first person I told. And she says, aim. She says, I know it sucks sometimes. And I know it's hard, but you can't stop moving. You have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that was such, and it's still, sorry. (laughs) I never apologize. It's still a mantra (laughs) because, oh, believe me, when you're in so much pain, you don't want to go. You want to go lay down. You want to, but because she just, you just got to keep going. You just can't stop. If you stop, you're, you're done. You're, you're done. You're immobile. She says, keep going. Whatever that means. Yeah. And I, I mean, I use that for non-RA issues. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it applies to everything. I think in life, it's a good mantra to have. Right. I mean, with, with understanding and knowing what it is time to stop and rest, but right. you just, she just, just keep going. And that's what I did. I just, I just kept going. I just kept going. And it was like, I kept doing things. I kept trying things. I kept walking up the stairs, even though that, I could have be, you know, looked for a first floor apartment, but, and lose the ability to walk stairs, like, and thus lose the fire of continuing to, to just keep you know, going, go forward. Right. Yeah. Like, and so mm-hmm. that makes total sense. I think that, you know, when we have community like that, when we have the people to be cheerleaders and, and we need, sometimes we also need permission to rest. Like, we need the people to say, you know, oh my God, I've done all these things and I just, I can't keep going, but I need to, for them to say, girl, you have, you, the miracle is in every day. That's <laughs> for a person with any issues, autoimmune, physical disabilities, even mental disabilities, I think it applies to everything. The miracle isn't every day. Mm-hmm. You wake up, you make a decision, whatever that is. If that is a rest the day decision, that's your decision. And you get to make that for yourself. Mm-hmm. If it's a, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to put clothes on. I'm going to tackle buttons and zippers. And I'm going to tackle things that are hard for me. Life is hard for people. Getting dressed is hard for people. Getting motivated is hard for people. And if I can do that and make the decision to face that every day, that's the miracle. You know, that's the miracle is in accepting every day is that knowing that, yeah, some people can say, oh, another day, another day of pain. 
you can see it like that, but it's another day to also feel good. You have a 50-50 chance, 75-25% chance of feeling good or good with where you're at. Yeah. Because people with chronic pain, there's levels. There are days when I feel good. I'm not out of pain, but I feel good because it's not, nothing is saying I am a hot button issue. So those are my good days. And to accept them and to embrace them and to be grateful for them. I think gratitude is like step number, whatever is just to understand is that the challenges that each issue disease brings to us is what creates the superpower within us. It creates our resilience. Yeah. Is there times we want to be done with having to be resilient? You better believe it. There's days that I was like, I'm so fucking sick of having to exist in this world in this level of, of chronic pain. Like, and I just, but then I was like, oh yeah, but I get to exist in the world where my friends and my family are, where I have good doctors who take care of me and are looking for the solution. I have orthopedic surgeons that are willing to do surgeries on people that are under 40 and that want me to be well, that give me less pain. If it wasn't for all of that and me keep going and accepting all of that and accepting the challenge every day, I don't know that I'd be able to share with you guys how to deal with a chronic illness. Yeah. I'd still be in it. I'd still be in the throes of the, of the anger. Yeah. You know, I have done, most people see chronic illness as a place where like, oh, this is me forever. You know, I'm just going to be here forever. This is it. I have, I have moved across country twice. I have dared to take control of my life. And in a sense of not so much that I have ultimate control, but in a sense of, you know what I do, I, yeah, absolutely. You have choice. Mm -hmm. There's a chronic illness here, but that's not going to prevent me from creating the life that I want to create. And so I don't know what the next step is after what was the last one? <laughs> well, no, we were talking about processing the emotions of how it, it affects your relationships and stuff, but you, you've touched back on, on finding community as number one. And I think that that's super important because as you were talking, the words that you were saying that would feel good to hear are words that you'll hear from many people. There is a special feeling that comes from hearing it from someone that you know, even though everybody experiences things like differently, they've experienced the thing, right? Like this is why when, you know, addicts help addicts, there's just a different level of trust and understanding that exists that doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that you can't help people, but it does mean that there's just that little extra bond. So those words go a little extra, you know, that little extra, So I can say to you, Amy, that sucks. I am so sorry that you're having that kind of day and you're going to accept it and you're going to feel that love. But when you hear it from somebody who has woken up (laughs) with that kind of pain and had to push through it and they say the same exact words that I said, it just is a different level of feeling that exists. It is really a, I 
I feel that you have felt this and that helps me feel hopeful today. Or that makes me feel like you truly understand what this is like for me. And there's no substitute for that. Um, and so that's why I think the, the finding of, of community belongs at number one, because it's, I mean, it's the first thing that I go to, if anything ever happens in my life, I'm like, there's gotta be a Facebook group about this. Like, <laughs> cause I need to be in it. I need to be asking questions from people who have been there because that's where I'm going to get a good level of information. It won't be where I get everything, right. but I will also get people that have empathy on a level that I need right now, that my heart and soul needs right now. I need deep, deep empathy. I'll accept the empathy and sympathy from others because I love being loved. But what I'm looking for right now is for somebody who's been in this position to tell me I'm going to be okay right now because yeah. they, they've lived it. They've, they've had to do this exact thing and push through. I had posted on Facebook years ago and I was having a really rough day. And I said, everything hurts, including my eyelashes. And the response I got from that post was like, I understand my too. And it was like, I so get what you're saying. It was like, oh, okay. Like right. just, but it's like, you don't feel so alone. And it's not to say you, your friends don't make you feel, but, but they don't get that. Yeah. Because when we're, we're whole, we take things for granted. When we're whole humans, we take so many things for granted. And we take the idea and the ability to get dressed, to get up in the morning, to go to the bathroom, to break breakfast. We take all of that for granted. We Amen. take our ability to walk for granted. Amen. Because when you're faced with the possibly the ability, you're not going to walk forever it is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Try twisting your ankle, right? Like, and then magnify that by a million because you were just told that you have an actual disease inside your body. It that is not, six, it's not a three to six week <laughs> thing that will be gone. That six weeks in a cast drove you fucking crazy. I can't wait to get it off. Try that for life. Right. Or what it feels like life, right? Because yeah. this is what we're, you know, we're kind of saying is like the psyche of it. The, the psychological of it, the psychological of putting a boot on my foot and knowing that boot comes off makes me tolerate that boot a hell of a lot better than if you say, I don't know when that's going to come off. Yeah. Now I have fear. Now I have all kinds of other shit because I'm going to project very far into the future <laughs> about how shitty my life is about to become. But I can handle six weeks because I know there's the end of the tunnel. If somebody can give you a diagnosis and then say, but... If you do A, B, C, and D in three years, you'll feel great. Guess what? Those three years I'm working harder than you've ever seen anybody work because I see a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what's missing of this whole thing is, and that's what I believe is coming through when we're having this discussion and what's coming through of you doing this body series is allowing people to see that the door doesn't shut when you get this diagnosis. The dark net, the dark tunnel doesn't just become infinite now that you're, you, this is now going to be your life forever, that there's varying degrees of it. And there's, you know, obviously we understand spectrum wise of age, health, like there's plenty of other factors, but it doesn't have to be that way that we don't have to live in that tunnel 
we can look for light, seek light in all of these different ways to keep that ability going, to, ju- to keep moving in even the tiniest increments yeah. toward the possibility of, of the light. Because you're, I've always said this, if there's one person out there that has done what I want to be done, it is possible for me. Even if it's only one person, because that one person did it <laughs> right. Like, so it's possible. And anytime there's possibility, I can strive for that possibility. And if I fall anywhere along the line, I've gone further than I am right now. Yeah. You know, so people hearing this and knowing like, Hey, there is remission possible, right? Your level of it may look different, but improvement certainly exists. Here are some ways in which you can get past that darkness, get past that, that heaviness of lifetime pain and get into acceptance. All right, this is here. What do, what can I still do with this, with this? And what can I do to move forward to try to heal this in some way? And the more that we open ourselves and our eyes, the more that we realize our darkest tunnels, our light are lit by the people who have experienced it before, because everybody, there's always somebody that's experienced your specific version, your specific path. Mm -hmm. And while my path may differ from yours and you may not have the same issues, there's got to be one or two things on my path that you're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to hold on to that because that's how I felt. And, you know, and to be honest, I won't lie. The acceptance of this, the acceptance of an autoimmune is, is, is an ever going process. It doesn't, there's always new facets. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm changing. My body's changing. I'm aging. You know, I've been on the drugs for so long. Like, you know, I've, I've been able to go off most of them and, you know, it's my journey's different. My, but at the same time, I'm always faced with new experiences that my body hasn't experienced yet with the effects of the, of the illness. So we just take it as it comes. I find that we will utilize our our chronic illness to keep us safe and to keep us hidden from the world in a way. I I used it to not date for the longest time. I use that for a reason not to date because I felt I needed to get my shit together. (laughs) And, you know, and so it was a reason and it kept me from creating dysfunctional relationships. It kept me from, you know, I knew I needed to heal my process with my body and the fact that and, and just using it and for what it's worth. And I had to heal that. And so I used the chronic illness as, as a reason not to do things. And it was, it kept me safe. Yeah. And that's later on in the process when I realized that, oh, I created this. So now I have to, undo, I have to work to uncreate it. Right. And when I got to that point, it became the reason it helped me avoid the things that would exacerbate the reason I manifested it, like relationships, feeling inadequate, all of those things. Well, it makes um, sense, right? Like if I ever existed without it and then I created it, how do I go back <laughs> to existing without it? Because if I created it, I can undo it. I can recreate or create different, right? Like it, it's like 
you actually go back and see how powerful you are. It's like, I used my powers for not the greatest <laughs> in that moment. And I would like to, I would like to flip that, that script and start to use my powers in a way that is healthy for my, for my everything, for my mind, body, soul. Today. But I promise <laughs> all of you, I promise all of you that while my intention was always to heal it, my intention was always to heal my, my mind and my psyche and my emotions, my spirituality, the things that created it to begin with. I really worked hard there and I will continue to work hard there. But when you know, when you are done with your illness, when you begin to feel that it's prohibiting you from growing, there is a time in your life when you're amidst all the work and you're doing good and you feel great and you're overcoming and you feel like I have arrived at acceptance and you will go, now it's becoming a hindrance. It's not helping me grow. It's becoming a limitation for me. Then you decide, I don't need this anymore. Mm -hmm. That is when you will have the ability to really heal it for good. I feel you have to take it for what it's here to teach you. Mm -hmm. Take all of the teachings, all of it, and put it into action, put it into the realization. And it wasn't until I've arrived at this body journey that I decided, I said to the angels, I don't need this anymore. I feel it's preventing me from growing. And they said, okay. And they gave me, they told me what I needed to do and we did it. And I try to keep my thought processes clear and, and of a higher vibration. There are times it doesn't always stay there where I'm human Mm-hmm. And I'll get a little twinge of pain and I'll be like, no, we're not going down that road again. And yeah. I will quickly do the work I need to heal that thought process or to heal what that is. Um, but it's possible. And I, for everybody, if you're ready, when you've done the work it's asked you to do, when you've, when you've, and I don't even say complete it because I'm not complete. I'm just yeah, yeah. in a position where I'm motivated to finish the process. Yeah. Which is reclaiming my body, reclaiming the relationship I have with it. And that's, yeah, that's anything else we're missing, Vanessa? (laughs) Well, I think on that part, like, I feel like that's, that's a lot to chew on, (laughs) right? Like, and I think it has to be done before any of the other stuff comes through. And because it's so it's, it's, it's an undertaking, you know, to go through all of this kind of stuff. I think that that's a good chunk of a start, you know, and that there is more to it that, you know, that comes along afterwards, but it's this initial set putting things in place so that the rest of your journey can be easier, right? So that you have the mental space so that you have the, you know, space at work, the community behind you. Like, it's really just kind of that setup, like, hey, this thing exists. I can't deny it. It does exist. Right. So at the very least I can accept that it exists because there, I can't deny it away. What can I do to set myself up? Cause I'm about to go on a journey. I'm, I want to go on a journey. I want to be good. I want to feel good as good as possible, whatever that possibility is. Let me put these things in place. That's not going to be easy because there's a lot that comes with that. 
right? Like jumping into a community, we'll hear good and we'll hear not good. <laughs> and that's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Talking to people at work, you know, going to HR, that whole thing is, I mean, the, the gamut of emotions that, that, that comes with that, you know, the, the admittance and fear and that whole journey, shame sometimes of even having, having to do it, quote unquote, that's a whole thing to have to deal with, yeah. you know, like th- that alone, right? Like that's, that's going to keep you busy <laughs> for a hot minute. Yeah. Before There's- you even get into the next steps. That was a year. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it could, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody and it, and it really can take some time because depending on the level of everything that you're at, but you have to process each of those things, right? Like when we go in and we hear good and bad, we have to process our filtering system of why am I filtering bad as truth and good as not, you know, that, that always comes into play. So that's work to be done going through fear and shame of having to tell somebody that this is what's happening to you and having it possibly affect your job that that's work that needs to be done. That's, emotional work that needs to be done it's not just a an action and then you move forward there's going to be waves there's going to be you know what feels like repercussions those have to be dealt with and healed before you move forward because they're coming back around (laughs) they always all come back around but if you've if you've put some things in place and put some things away and dealt with your beliefs belief systems when it comes back around you handle it differently you know, you're able to step over that first hump because you've already been there and, and get into that new stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty <laughs> for people to process so far, but there's, a, I mean, there are other parts to it that, that will come, but this, you know, this, this acceptance part of it, I think is one of the most difficult and, and it's good for people to kind of sit with that and yeah. maybe a good journal prompt would be, you know, kind of like, how, how do I feel about community surrounding this, this situation? How do I feel about sharing in a community? How do I, how do I receive the information about this? What do I feel like when I receive information about my, my diagnosis? Right. And then, you know, also like, what do I, what do I, what emotions am I anticipating? Right. Cause this is what's happening. What emotion, emotions am I anticipating? for, you know, going to work or telling my family or, you know, all of those kind of things. What projections am I making about this, this thing, you know, this illness and what it's going to do with my life so that I can, you know, kind of sort through that and not live in that fear-based stuff. So it'll keep you pretty busy. (laughs) It's a challenge. (laughs) Yes. Um, And, you know, I, I've arrived here now. Everybody has their own time span, but August seventh of this year was fourteen years. I've had it, and I would probably say that minus the first two years, so twelve years, the last twelve have probably been the best years of my life, and it was because. You know, we look at our illnesses as something bad happening to us, but we, you will get to a point where you feel, no, it happened for me because 
I wouldn't be where I'm at without having to cope and find ways to heal and do all the things and trying new things and, and being open to things like I wouldn't be here. I, Vanessa and I wouldn't be sitting here because I would have been a completely different human had um, it not happened. So I see its benefit in my life. I see where it was the catalyst for change and I'm grateful. I don't need it anymore, but I'm grateful that. that <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I promise you, however long it takes, you will feel that as well yes. because it'll give you new ways of seeing life and being open to life. So with that being said, and you know, our hour and something podcast that we were hoping to stick to 30 minutes. I love it. I love it though. But Vanessa's right. She always is. And she was like, let's chunk this down because that's a lot of information all at once. She's right. Of course. (laughs) Um, Next, I I wish I was always right. That'd be an easier life, but (laughs) (laughs) but I appreciate that. (laughs) Next time we talk, we're going to talk about the relationship with food and a chronic illness. And and we're going to work on that. Um, We think. (laughs) <laughs> we may talk about the, we may talk about the movement part i don't know which yeah. but those two are coming up next <laughs> in yes. no particular order yeah. in the near future you will hear about both those topics yes. <laughs> we love you guys have a great week we'll talk to you soon hey love you all thank you for joining us on freud's angels we are thankful for each of you opening up your heart to us to continue the healing connect with us on instagram at Freud's underscore angels and on Facebook at Freud's angels. Please subscribe to the show so that we may help you continue your journey. And remember to give us some love in the review section. If anything we've talked about today has triggered an emotional or mental crisis, please call 911 or head to the nearest emergency center. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.